Hello, everybody, and welcome back into Talk Off. It is Tuesday, June 6th, and we're back for another episode. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It was a great weekend of MLB baseball. Last episode, Daz, all we did was talk about how great this weekend was going to be and how it was make or break for some teams this weekend. It was big series going on. and Yeah. Big the series. weekend definitely, it, it, it definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It paid off. It showed uh, off. It, it uh, Something like that. Jerked off. It, nope. Okay. Something like that. I don't know. But this weekend, baseball was very good. You know, there's a lot of good series. Yankees out in L.A., Braves in Arizona. The stinky Mets got swept. We'll go through that, I guess. And, you know, the shitty Red Sox lost too. So, you know, we're all in a little bit of pain, obviously, besides Jake, because he's on a heater with picks and the Yankees are hot. And, of course, why wouldn't everything go right for Jake? But if you're me or Dawes, nothing is ever good. It's never going to be good, especially for Dawes. I'm sorry, but uh, nothing is ever good. No, nothing quote, really is you. ever good. I um, We attended a baseball game this Saturday, this past Saturday afternoon. Uh, full, 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 uh, full attendance from the talk off pod, which was uh, cool to be all three of us at a game together. But yeah, we saw a little Mets Blue Jays action and. Um, it was uh, it was quite the pitchers duel on the day that we didn't really expect the pitchers to shove. McGill had a had a good day, and I don't even remember who was pitching for the Blue Jays. Zach, do you know who was pitching for the? Oh, Barrios. Barrios. Jose Barrios pitching for the Blue Jays, uh, and the Mets pushed one across early. Vocal back RBI double, and then it was uh, the bats went quiet from here from there on out. The Blue Jays struck late in the game to take a take a two to one lead, and uh, they didn't relinquish that lead for the rest of the day. And unfortunately, the Mets fell on Saturday with me and me in presence, and um, that just wasn't English. While Nothing I was, was present good, so. at the game, and it just seemed like they were laughing in my face, like the entire time I was there. It just seemed like the team just knew I was going to be there and knew that they were going to piss me off. So they decided to lose in the later stages I could of feel the game. It. I could feel the energy in there. I, I felt a lot of fuck Dawes energy in there. A lot of people saying, you know, this. Guy oh yeah, came, no, came I could. I, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was contagious. How, how big of fuck Dawes energy there was in there. It's okay though, because yes, we talked about last week that this could have been a make or break series for the Mets. They definitely needed to take this series, and this was going to be a huge test, but. When you look at it, when you look at the at the standings, five and a half back now, it's it's rough. They're in a rough spot, but it's still a hole that they can dig themselves out of. I I I, I think we're probably going to go back and forth every week saying that they can win this division and that they can't. Last week it was that they can. I'm back on that they can't, and it's definitely going to be the Braves. Um, but obviously Miami's going to slow down. We've, we've talked about this to a crazy extent about how these teams in the central are going to slow down. Miami's going to slow down and it's still the Mets. I still see the Mets in the wild card game in the playoffs, hopefully making a run. And that's when your veteran pitching really comes in handy. And those two 40 year olds at the top of the rotation, that's when you need them. When it comes to playoff time, you just got to sneak in there. I think this Mets team is a team that actually, if, if they do sneak in is a team that can make a lot of noise because it's a team that, is obviously underperforming right now, and the talent is there. They're just not playing the baseball that they need to. I, I I really think it's fair to say that 
they they just need more from Lindor, dude. They just need they more need a from, lot more. For this Lindor. is their this is their this is their multi million dollar multi year short three hundred and thirty million dollars. It's the three hundred and thirty million dollar franchise centerpiece, and uh, your franchise centerpiece cannot be hitting two ten. He can't be almost it, damn near hitting his weight. It's so bad. So, I mean, obviously, the the two things that are keeping him in this lineup at this rate are, one, the size of the contract, and two, his glove. And Zach and I were talking about this this weekend. He'll probably win a gold glove, but he's far off from a silver slugger. Far off. And things need to change soon. I know every time I come on this show, it somehow leads to me saying that this is a pivotal series for New York in their season. I think I'm not, and again, I'm not overreacting here, but again, I might, I might go balls to the wall again on this series. The Mets start tomorrow night, a three game series in Atlanta. I can already hear the chop from Connecticut. I can literally hear the chop from Connecticut. I'm afraid I'd be, I would be, I would be an idiot if I sat here and said, I wasn't afraid of the Braves uh, for this series. Literally, this 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 could be a massive series for our for the sake of our season. Or to be honest, this could sink us because if we get swept here, we're eight and a half out. Eight and a half out is not good. A week and a half into into the month of June, so New York needs to do something, and they need, they need to do something fast. I think if we're swept in Atlanta, this team could look drastically different in the coming weeks. I don't know what the front office is going to do. I don't know what's going to happen, but if you're eight and a half out, it might be time to uh, to start making some real moves outside of the organization and not just relying on minor league talent at this rate to kind of revitalize your season. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting what we see from the Mets within the coming month coming down to the you know, middle of the season and the trade deadline eventually. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do, how that roster shapes out, and you know if they're really gonna if if Steve Cohen and Billy Epler and everybody in that general manager's office is really going to step up and make a move, or if they're going to take a back seat. We really don't know, but it's going to be really interesting to see what they do within the next month, and that kind of seg- segues us into you know some of our topics for today. A lot of what I had, Chris, is is kind of about the tread trade tread trade deadline. It's coming up. Obviously, we still have pretty much two months until it hits, but I think it's something we got to start talking about because June is, like, like we said, June is that month that we're going to find out who's going to be buyers and who's going to be sellers. And one of the teams that I want to start talking about is is the Chicago White Sox. This is a team we were really high on in the offseason. We thought maybe, maybe this was their year. You know, with Dylan Cease leading that rotation, obviously there was pitching problems after him. But the lineup we thought was really solid this offseason. They got out to a terrible start, and they're still not playing great baseball. Dylan Cease has not been the guy he was at the beginning of the season and that he's been in past years. And the rotation outside of outside of him has just been god-awful. Lance Lynn might be the worst statistical pitcher in baseball besides Fujinami on the, on the athletics. And Lucas Giolito and company has not been that much better. This is a team that we thought had a shot for the division. We thought had a shot at the playoffs. And right now they're just playing subpar baseball. So is it time for them to start shopping guys? Is it time for them to start taking calls on Dylan Cease and Tim Anderson and 
get these young guys out of there and, and try to start over. Yeah, I think uh, Dylan Cease is a really, really interesting piece because in the past year or so, he's been really on top of his game. I'm not too familiar on how he's doing this year. Is he like somewhat? I mean, the White Sox itself are just a really miserable team this year, but I'm not too caught up on Dylan Cease's stats. Let me do a... I, I, I'm not he sure. Is, he started out very well. He, through that first couple weeks of the season, his first couple outings were phenomenal. Since then, I mean, it's it's he's 3-3 three and three with a 4-6. 74 strikeouts and 68 pitches. I mean... It's just it's not what he needs. It's not who Dylan Cease is. I I think, but I I feel like you know we t- a lot of people talk about this and not a lot of people understand what it means. But I feel like Dylan Cease is a is could be a, a like a change of scenery guy. Like change of scenery this year, and he's going to turn it on. It's just it's so hard. I I feel at least in my opinion, it's definitely so hard to go out there and pitch for a team that you know is just not playing good baseball. Like it, it's so hard to go out there and and try to put the entire team on your back every fifth day and feel like you have to go seven innings of no-run ball for your team to have a chance because they're just not hitting and they're just not playing well enough to win right now. And I think that could be part of it with Dylan Cease. And I just I want to see this guy on another team. Obviously, the south side of Chicago is very cool. We talked about it last week with their, their six City Connect uniforms. But... I think Dylan Cease is a guy who needs to go to a new team. He needs a new. He needs a change of scenery. He needs to get out of the South Side of Chicago. And this is going to be if if they do start taking calls on Dylan Cease, this is going to be the top guy on the market come the trade deadline. There's going to be a lot of com- contending teams calling the White Sox for Dylan Cease, and then we're going to have to get into who's going to call. And you know, there's the obvious players. The Dodgers are going to be there. The Yankees, I'm sure, are going to call. And we're really going to see if the White Sox are looking to move him. I personally think they should, but again, I'm not the general manager of the White Sox. And the attractive thing for teams with Cease is he does have three more years of team control following this season. So he's, he's you know, a somewhat low-cost player who plays at a, at a level and at which could be paid two to three times of what he's making now. He's only making five... million this year. Um, I have an interesting team that I think could be somebody that could be a suitor for Dylan Cease come the trade deadline in July. I saw a report today that said the San Francisco Giants are interested in being buyers. And the San Francisco Giants lost a very similar pitcher in Carlos Rodon. This past season, I think it's very likely that the San Francisco Giants could be potential suitors for Dylan Cease if he's available on the market. And I think that's a team that no one's really talking about enough. The Giants have the pieces to go out and get a guy. It just depends on if they want to make that jump to try to run for a wild card spot this year. Absolutely. And and I think you bring up a really good point. It was it was honestly a little shocking to me seeing that the Giants are are still going out. They still want to make trades. They want to make deals. They want to try to make a run at these playoffs. After the offseason they had, you know, losing Judge and Turner and Correa, like they lost out on everyone. You end up with Mitch Hanniger and and Michael Conforto. 
you didn't really think that the Giants would be buyers come the deadline, but they've come out and they said they're looking to buy. And I think buying a pitcher is is something that they could really benefit from. Obviously, you have Logan Webb at the top of that rotation. And, you know, Logan Webb is a really interesting pitcher because he's not a guy who's going to go out there and just dominate you with stuff. He's a guy who's going to go out there, hit spots, not walk people, probably have five to six strikeouts and in seven innings of work, and throw one to two in, two run ball. That's just the pitcher that he is, and he's phenomenal at it. He's had a great season. He had a great season last year, pitching to under a 2-8, I think. And I think what this Giants team could really use is that dominant stuff pitcher at the top of their rotation. A 1-2 of Dylan Cease and Logan Webb would be an incredible look for other teams to look at because you're seeing two very dominant, but dominant in two different, completely different ways. I think it would be a great move for the Giants, even though this is a team that probably could use a bat. I think getting a pitcher could be really important. And when you talk about Dylan Cease and when we've talked about the Chicago White Sox, I at least have mentioned a package with Dylan Cease and Tim Anderson. If the Giants are looking to make a huge splash, a splash at shortstop is what they would really need because that is one place that this team is really, really, really lacking is a dominant shortstop. You add Tim Anderson and Dylan Cease to this lineup and to this team, this is going to be a team that a lot of teams are going to look out for come the playoff run. Obviously, Arizona and LA have got themselves a cushing, a cushy lead right now of five and a half games on the San Francisco Giants, but they're playing really good baseball. I mean, it's crazy to say that I think JD Davis leads them in OPS, but he does, and he's having a great year right now. And the Giants are just weirdly playing some of the best baseball over the last couple of weeks. And this month is again when we're really going to find out are they going to buy or are they going to sell? They've said that they're going to buy, but how? hard are they going to push for those the for the top end talent or are they going to settle for a guy like eddie rodriguez and just stick him in the rotation for his one more year and that's it it's going to be interesting to see what they do yeah and i know a lot of fans in chicago are really pissed off with the way that the ownership has been handling this team for the past few years they they had that window for what seemed like two to three years in which they were making the playoffs consistently. They looked like contenders in not only the AL Central, but in the AL itself. And just to think how quickly that whole thought was dismantled and kind of run over and then backed up and run over again. Like the team just does not look like the same product that was put out on the field just three years ago. Absolutely. It's just not the same. And I, I really think that sometimes it's just that teams just don't mesh. And and this team just doesn't mesh. You have too many guys on this team that have injury problems, too many guys on this team that are high strikeout, high pa- high slugging, high power guys. There's just too much of the same guy. I think the Chicago White Sox really need to strip down that lineup and get rid of some of the nastiness in the bullpen and, and really just rebuild because for the past three years – We've been saying pretty much, we've been saying, this is the White Sox year. This is the White Sox year. This is the White Sox year. And they have underperformed every single time. They were supposed to be probably one of the best teams in the AL last year and this year. Both times they have shit the bed. This team is not built to win games in the regular season. And I don't think they're built to win games in the playoffs either. This is just a poorly constructed roster right now. 
They're playing like a poorly constructed roster. The Andrew Benintendi uh, deal was a horrible deal, $75 million, and that was the largest contract in White Sox history. And it's it's looking terrible right now because the guy can't hit, and he definitely can't hit for power. So I, I don't know what the White Sox are really doing right now. If I'm the general manager of the White Sox, I'm taking as many calls as I possibly can from teams. I want to know who is going to give me the absolute most for my ace pitcher. Yeah, totally. You want to you want to see what kind of options are out there and w- what's available at this rate. Um obviously leaving Cease on the roster and keeping him for a few years is definitely on the table, but at this juncture you kind of have to uh you, you, you definitely have to consider every single option that's possibly out there because this team, like you said, is is not clicking and it's time to shake the roster up a bit. And you brought up a, a, a point that I completely forgot about, that Ben Attendee was the highest paid uh, contract in White Sox history, which is kind of embarrassing considering the fact that yep. uh, Pittsburgh just blew that contract out of the water to make their highest signing in franchise history in Brian Reynolds, which I think was like a little over 100 mil. So yep. that is uh, really, really, uh, really interesting uh, move from the White Sox. It's 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 funny because it's like you'd think Chicago, big market, they should have the money and the the desire to go after big free agents, but they're playing like a small market team. It's like then the Cubs don't play like a small market team, and the Cubs were Absolutely. the last stock of the league for years. Absolutely, I I could not agree with you more. Like it's just. Something's got to happen on the south side of Chicago. Something's got to happen. Someone's got to get out of there. And I hope that they can make the right moves because I, I think a fun, I think a good White Sox team is fun for baseball. So while we're talking about Cease, let me ask you this. What do you, what, what would you say are, give me two or three landing spots for seats. What, Cease, where do you think he could go? Who's got the capital? Who could use the pitcher come deadline time? What do you think? Uh, I think. The, I mean, the first team that probably jumps off the page is is probably going to be the Dodgers. To be honest with you, they, they yep. you know, with the uh, with with, with they, a they lo- just have so much capital. They they have a lot to work with, and um, who they just lost? What's his name? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Big, big, big hair, ginger. Dustin May. Dustin, Dustin May. May yes. Yeah, Dustin May. Dustin May's out for the year. Forearms, forearm strain. He's like, they've had, they have, I think, four pitchers on the IL right now with different strains. Dustin May's is by far the worst. They're looking at a couple months right now. So yeah, he very well could be done for the year. And this is a guy who struggled with injuries his entire career. So I think the Dodgers could definitely be looking for a pitcher come come deadline time especially when you look at how their pitching rotation has been so far when you look at Cindergard, obviously Kershaw has been good but cindergard has been horrid a couple of the young guys Gavin Stone came up and was not very good Bobby Miller just had a great outing against the Yankees but that's that's not something super sustainable in a rookie outside of Clayton Kershaw and you know Urias who's obviously on the shelf right now they haven't really got a lot of steady production. Dustin May's been in and out, but now he's hurt. And it's just, I, I, I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. I agree with you. I think this is a team who could absolutely go get Cease and probably not feel it that much. No, and I have another one that I could throw out there that's interesting. And it may not, it, and it may shock people because it doesn't have a lot of implications necessarily on the team for this year. 
but perhaps for next year, I think the St. Louis Cardinals can be a player for Cease because he's absolutely – he fits the mold of this team, and they need a guy. They have zero pitching. This is what's kind of been holding uh, – holding – holding the team back all year. They're currently 10 games under 500, so it may not necessarily be a big jump for them this year, but to lock up a guy and get and, and get and get someone on the roster that has team control for the next 2 to 3 seasons, that could be pretty big for the for the St. Louis Cardinals. And if they get him, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, whoever signs Cease, I wouldn't be surprised to see an extension that following offseason. Yeah, 100%. And I agree with you. Absolutely. And I love that point that you bring up with the Cardinals because the Cardinals are a team that for the past couple of years we've been saying is just missing the pitching. And Dylan Cease is a guy that you can lock up for the next two, three years. He has control for the next two, three years. And this is a guy you can lock lock up long term. The Cardinals need pitching. And I think that this is another team, just like the Dodgers, who could trade from what they have a super surplus of which is utility position players and grab a pitcher which is something you do not have and desperately desperately need i really hope this is not a st louis cardinals said settle for eduardo rodriguez for a rental because he's having a good year i hope they go out there and try to make a deal for dylan cease because why not they have a lot of capital they have a lot of young guys who are have also come up to the majors and proven that they can hit at the majors. They can play in the major leagues, not just in AAA. So I think the Cardinals could trade a lot of quote-unquote prospects and get a guy like Dylan Cease that can really push their rotation over the edge, which is what they really need right now. They need, need, need pitching. Totally agree. Totally agree. The uh, the Cardinals need pitching, and it's not necessarily a scenario where you could probably look within the organization for a short-term fix. This is something that uh, will be costly if you go through free agency, but um, if you have a, you know, an, a more established farm system, which the Cardinals are somewhere along the middle of the pack for that uh, conversation, but this is... This is something that the Cardinals should definitely consider and not leave off the table because this is a struggling team, and uh, it's 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 getting to the point where you, you you're almost starting to think about where we'll just play for next year at this rate. This is almost a wash, and uh, let's uh, regroup for twenty four. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, I I, I think I think Cease is is going to be someone who a lot of teams are looking at come deadline time. And I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a hell of a ride seeing where this guy might go and the packages that might be offered for him, because this is like a generational talent. This is a fantastic talent, a great pitcher in our league right now. And I think a lot of teams would be calling and there are some teams out there that have pitching problems. They could really use a young ace that has two years of control. So we'll see what happens when, the deadline comes around. If the White Sox are still doing shitty, they better be taking calls. They better be looking to trade C's because it's just what has to be done. So moving on, the best team in baseball, Chris, in my opinion right now, is in fact the Texas Rangers of Arlington, Texas. The Texas Rangers are I think just the best team in baseball right now, and I you could say it's because of my Red Sox bias. I hate the Rays so much, but the Texas Rangers are playing great baseball. They're getting they're getting production all over the field from every position, and 
the pitching rotation has been amazing. And, and that's this is a rotation. Exactly. Exactly my point I was about to make. This is a rotation this offseason that we talked a lot about that there was so many question marks. We didn't know who was going to stay healthy, who was going to pitch well. And you you said it perfectly. They've been doing all of this without Jacob deGrom. When deGrom has pitched, he's been great. It's just like we used to say on the Mets. When he pitches, he's great. But he just doesn't pitch that much. And we heard today, right before our episode, the Texas Rangers are putting him taking him off the 15-day IL and adding him to the 60-day IL. So he will not be eligible until I think I saw June 28th. So yeah, look, they're going to go another month without DeGrom, but it's not like this team has not played the first two months really without DeGrom. They've gotten great pitching from Nate Evaldi, possibly the best pitching in the American League outside of Shane McClanahan. And guys like Martin Perez are pitching okay, like, but like that's your fourth or fifth guy. You know, John Gray's out to a great start of this season. Andrew Heaney is, is you know, eh, but the way that Nathan Eovaldi has stepped up when DeGrom has gone down has just been fantastic. And as a Red Sox fan, I'm sitting here crying my eyes out because this guy could be on my team right now. If the Red Sox just wanted to be over the luxury tax this year, Nate Eovaldi wanted to stay, and I am kicking Every, like I want to punch people in the face that he is not on the team anymore. It, the guy is pitching lights out. And my question to you, Chris, is come deadline time, what does this team really need? Because the rotation has been really solid. They have pretty much the best lineup in baseball, and I think this lineup is sustainable. So is it bullpen help? Is that what they need, you think? They could go after some bullpen help. They could um... – you know, they, they they could go after bullpen. Bullpen is always not a bad thing to have a surplus of, but pitching is, is, you know, like you said, pitching is a great, great thing to have a surplus of, whether that's in the bullpen or whether it's in the rotation. You know, Liam Hendricks is a guy that jumps out of my, you know, immediately jumps out. Shane Bieber, if he's on the market, it's just, you know, hell, if you want to get weird, we can even say Soto or maybe even Verdugo if the, the Red Sox are willing to. Like, I'm thinking of guys that just have a lot of pop in the outfield and can make a difference and are big, big game changers for a team like the Rangers. They definitely have the capital to be able to uh, to undertake contracts of those size. It just depends on whether they want to dish out the prospects. Yeah, and I think the Rangers are, are like such an interesting team because two years ago, we saw the Rangers do something that they never do, and that's shove out $200-plus million contracts to Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. Half a billion dollars to two guys, and those two guys have really been paying off. Marcus Semien, you can argue, is the best second baseman in baseball right now. He has the most runs in the league. He's up there in RBIs. He's top 10 in war. And Corey Seager's having himself a pretty good season. Then last year, after the whole season, after they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, what happened? They still didn't really change. That's because they still had no pitching. Their number one pitcher was John Gray, and that's pretty much all that they had. So they go out there and they sign Jacob DeGrom to a huge contract. They get Nate Avaldi. They get Martin Perez. And suddenly, you see this rotation take its form to what it is right now. And right now, what their rotation is, is just guys that are just pitching well right now. Do I think that this is sustainable for years to come? Absolutely not. No. 
But right now, the Texas Rangers are playing the best baseball in the major leagues, if, according to me. I think they're playing the best baseball in the MLB. They are getting help all over the diamond. Semyon's playing great. Nathaniel Lowe's playing great. Jonah Heim is just solidifying himself as a top five catcher right now. They got Josh Young, who's who's looking like he might be the AL Rookie of the Year, him and Masa Yoshida. They're getting help from every... Adolis Garcia still leads the league in RBIs. They're getting help all over the place. So many guys playing so well. Right now, I think the only thing you can tear down from the Texas Rangers is that bullpen. And the best part about that for the Rangers is they've already shown that they want to make moves and they want to win very soon. And... Me and you and and all baseball guys out there, Chris, they all know that come deadline time, the easiest thing to go get is bullpen help because relievers are so volatile. There's they're good one year. One year they'll have a one ERA. The next year they'll have a seven. They're so volatile that it's so easy to go out there and get a bullpen guy, especially as a rental for one year and then ship them off. So I think the Texas Rangers might be in the best spot of anyone in the league right now because obviously the Rays are still playing great baseball. And But I, as I said last episode, I really think that that's going to eventually slow down. They have too many guys that are playing way, way above their potential ceiling that it's just I don't think it's sustainable. I think the Texas Rangers baseball is sustainable right now. I have seen Nathan Eovaldi when he is locked in. He is locked in right now, and he is pitching the best of anybody in the league. I love this team. They are so good, and I want them to go make a move at this deadline. Obviously, we're talking about the deadline like it's next week, but it's in a couple. It's in like two months. But come deadline time, this team needs to make a move because they are what three games up on the Astros right now. Astros are not going to go away, and that's a te- that's a team who's also definitely going to make a move. So. I think yeah. the Rangers need to keep up. They need to keep the pe- the foot on the gas pedal, get that fucking pedal straight to the floor, and take off right now. Because if they don't, those Astros are going to sneak up here and steal something away. And that's not what you want if you're a Texas Rangers fan. Yeah, I think the Texas Rangers are definitely in the driver's seat right now, and they control really their destiny with the rest of the season. I mean, they're definitely – I think the Astros are not as good of a team and not as primed to win this division – as they have been in the years past. The Astros are definitely, like you said, going to go out and make a move at some point. And um, you really have to stay one step ahead of the game if you're the Texas Rangers and kind of play um, almost defense and offense at the same time, be proactive and try to make a move, but also try to be reactive and kind of, um, sec- you know, play off of what the Astros are eventually going to do. If I were the, Texas Rangers, to be honest with you, I go out and I grab a bullpen piece. Liam Hendricks is on the top of my list. I would even call the Red Sox for maybe Kenley Jansen. I think he's still a good serviceable arm for a somewhat decent price. I think there's a lot you could do. Maybe even call the Phillies and um, oh god, why am I drawing a blank with his name? Why am I drawing a blank right now? Phillies. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, my God. Why am I drawing? It's really going to bother me. So look it up. I, re- I really don't know who you're talking about. Hold on. But man. I agree with you. They need to go get a bullpen piece. And they have... Craig Kimbrell. Oh, oh, oh. 
Still on the Phillies. Yeah. yeah but I, I definitely agree with you. They need to go get a bullpen piece, and this is a team with capital to do it. They ha- they have a lot of guys who are playing very well in double and triple A. They have young pitchers like we talked about with Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. These are guys that we talked about this offseason that we're very excited for in a couple of years. You know, Kumar hasn't really turned out the way people were hoped, and now he's on the shelf for the whole year for Tommy John. But Jack Leiter's looked amazing, and if they're looking to go get a high-end player, that's a guy who they could end up dealing. I don't think that they will because I think they they love Jack Leiter, but... I don't know go if ahead, he's been ahead. that good. I, I don't think I've – I know I heard something about him not necessarily playing that well. Let me look up his stats right now. Let's see what Let's see what he's doing. Um, I thought he was playing well. I know Kumar, Kumar has looked real bad. I know he has looked – like before the Tommy – boy went down with Tommy John, he looked real bad. It was only fastball slider. I've seen a lot of talk about him possibly getting moved to the bullpen and – coming up and being a bullpen piece and within like one or two one or two years obviously they fast track those kind of guys so i think that's kind of a guy who after the tommy john surgery we can see fast track to the mlb to become you know kind of a, a late inning bullpen guy so uh jack Leiter is two and three with a three eight era this year over 47 innings pitched. that's not terrible it's not terrible so um but i i did i did I, I recall him not starting the year too hot and people weren't pleased with it. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's come down a little bit. I um, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, his name will definitely get thrown around. It would just be and hard I, for them I'm to give up on a 23-year-old arm. Exactly. And a guy that they just drafted, it would be really hard for them to give up with. And I think they're really in love with Jack Leiter and they see him as an ace of the future. Unless they feel, I, I just unless, think they, this... unless they feel that like they could, unless the move is right. Like if they say, you know, if the San Diego calls and says Soto for Leiter and some other, you know, prospect, I probably pull the trigger on that. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, I think what the Rangers have shown in the last two years that, they're all in. Like they really are all in. They are all into winning a World Series in the next couple of years, and they don't care if they have to spend a shit ton of money to do it. They don't care if they have to do a bunch of stuff. What they haven't shown really is that they're okay giving up a shit ton of prospects, which is like the Dodgers model. The Dodgers and the the Astros not not as as um, as of recently, but they got guys like Verlander through trade, so it's not impossible. Absolutely, it's definitely not impossible, and and. I just think that we're seeing a, a whole new era of Rangers baseball right now. That, And I think we're going to see that a lot throughout the league. I really think that the league in general is kind of sick and tired of the high-end teams going out there and just stealing guys away. Teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets, they're tired of them just stealing them away. So these lower market teams like the Texas Rangers, you know, like the Seattle Mariners and teams like the Cubs – I think these teams are tr- are saying, you know what? If we're, we're going to have to spend fucking money because it's just the way the league is, and I think they're becoming more susceptible to spending money, more susceptible to making more moves, and that's good for baseball. That's fun for fans, and I think it's going to lead to a lot more exciting playoffs and exciting World Series because we're going to see teams that we maybe haven't seen. I mean, when's the last time we saw the Rangers at thirty eight and twenty? Four almost four games up on the division. It's been a long I'd say time, maybe so, a decade. 
Exactly. And we haven't seen we haven't seen the Baltimore Orioles in second in the AL East for at least 10 years since they made the playoffs. So I think that we're getting into a whole new era of MLB baseball right now where a lot of teams are going to compete and it's it's really exciting. I think the Rangers are a team that really has separated themselves as one of a, one of the high spending teams and I think they need to keep going with that, keep going with that model and go out there this deadline and get a fucking arm get a bullpen arm maybe two maybe even fucking three why not okay, but i think this is the year that you need to make the move hell yeah so before we also we, we mentioned the dodgers and i want to talk about the dodgers just just for a second because there is one player on the dodgers who almost made me cry the other day did you see the post-game interview with Noah Syndergaard after his start? I did not know. I think it was about a week ago, maybe. Maybe a little less than that. And Noah Syndergaard, obviously, this year has has not been the guy. And this offseason, when they did when they got Syndergaard, a, a lot of our talk was, eh, but if any team is going to get him back to the way he was, it was the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They have not done that. And this this post game interview made like I felt so bad for the guy because he was sitting there in the locker room just like holding back his own tears, saying how he feels so bad for his team because they based he he was basically saying he feels bad for the team that he's on the team. Like he he's like it sucks to be the weakest link and and you know it. He said like his team's playing winning baseball. He's just not pitching winning baseball, and that you could really tell that he was sitting there being like. I wish I could throw it back to the old Mets days when I fucking had it, but I just don't have it anymore. And it's crazy to see a guy who was so dominant in our league just completely lose his whole feel for pitching. And he's just not the same guy that he was in New York, what, six, seven years ago. He's not the same guy. And the Dodgers are in a weird spot now because, as we said, May has gone down possibly for the season. This is when the Dodgers show their Dodgers head and go make a move for a pitcher. Yeah, I really, I really, really think that the Dodgers are eventually going to get out and make a move for a pitcher. Um, whether, whether or not uh Syndergaard is a part of this team come August, we will have to uh, remain and see. I have a soft spot for Syndergaard. I used to love him when he played for the Mets. He obviously, he used to throw gas, went down with TJ and then, you know, multiple injuries following that. And just wasn't the same pitcher after that. You know, he, he relied heavily on his velocity early in his career to, uh, to blow the ball past guys. And uh, once the velocity was gone, the rest of the game never really caught back up to where the velocity was um, at one level. So I, I definitely feel for the guy. It's uh it's tough. It's a tough league, but uh it's an even tougher move for the Dodgers now. You invest in a guy like Syndergaard, you put, and I think they gave him a, a pretty good amount of money, if I'm not mistaken, too. I think it was like eight or ten, something around there. Yeah, for you know, and that was a guy who Syndergaard was, you know, I think he got a like a, a damn near like twenty five million dollar deal from the Angels, uh, like a yeah. one year deal two years ago. So Syndergaard's uh, bounced around a little bit, and I feel for the guy he hasn't really found his spot. Uh, in a rotation permanently in a few years, but the Dodgers, you know, have a tough decision on their hands. You might have to cut a guy like Syndergaard loose, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a guy that we could see DFA'd within the next month or two. Um, if he keeps pitching the way he is, there's just no room for him in the MLB, not just on the Dodgers. He just he has no feel for pitching anymore. He he misses spots nonstop, and he just gets hammered. He he really does, and it's sad to see again. It's sad to see a guy who was so dominant in this league at one point just completely lose all feel for pitching. But that's just where we are with Noah Syndergaard, and that's where the Dodgers are. I I, I think this is this is the time that we do see the Dodgers. Dodger. This is what this is what they are made for. They are made for the trade deadline. They are made for making moves, getting guys, and they're a big, attractive team there in LA. And it's obvious that they have a good team. It's always obvious that they have a good team. They're tied right now with the Arizona Diamondbacks for the lead in the NL West. I, I think both of us see them winning the NL West again this year. Probably going to have the second most wins in the NL. It's it's just the Dodgers dodgering, and they will do what they do, and they will sign a pitcher come the deadline who probably is going to be very good and probably going to lead them in their playoff push, and then we'll see what happens. But I think if if you think that Noah Syndergaard is going to be on this team come August, I think you're kidding yourself because it just has not been good enough. It really hasn't. And again, I've I, feel like i'm gonna say this a million times we feel for the fucking guy it's so sad to watch but he just unfortunately does not have it anymore yeah totally does not have it anymore unfortunately which uh which kind of stings but you know i would love to see him come back to the mets at some point so i think that would be cool if um that would be cool that'd be cool so uh let's stay on the west coast but let's move to the AL in Anaheim. I want to talk about the Angels for a little bit because the Angels this year have been kind of a weird team, and they've kind of been a weird team for the past couple years, pretty much since they've got Otani. Everyone, the whole talk is, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Are they going to be good enough for him to stay? And I think the Angels this year are really trying to make their pitch to Otani and be like, dude, fucking stay. We have the young pieces to build around you. Please, please, please stay. And Right now, I, th- I honestly think they're doing a good job because I think they're bringing up a lot of young guys right now to surround Otani with players that he could be playing with in the future. Bringing up a guy like Zach Neto a month into the season was a huge move for the Angels because they really didn't need need him. They weren't dying at shortstop. There wasn't somebody who was injured. They just said, you know what? He's fucking ready. Let's bring him up. He hasn't had the hottest start, but this is a guy that the Angels and a lot of the MLB are really, really high on. And then you see last week, they bring up a guy like Ben Joyce, the guy out of Tennessee, throwing 105 miles an hour in college. Now he's a reliever for the Angels. They fast track him to the MLB. He's out there throwing 102. He didn't. He threw one ball under 100 miles an hour in his first outing. Uh, I think that the Angels are doing pretty much everything they can to be to say, hey, show, hey. You never know, man. Like we got the young talent, and don't forget they got that young young catcher in Logan Ohapi, obviously out for the year with the injury. But that kid is going to be a top five, ten catcher in the league for the next couple years. I think the Angels are trying their best to pitch Otani, and I don't know. The more the more the Angels play, and the more the season goes on, I, I feel like he might just fucking stay. Yeah, it seems that the uh, the whole rumor mill 
around the start of the season where they said, you know, Tani could possibly be dealt at the deadline or be shopped. I think those rumors have kind of been shot down, and I think those are done for now. Those are absolutely done. Um, but I think I think I still think it's a possibility he leaves after this season is done. Uh, whether that's to a New York team, to a Chicago team, to another team possibly in Los Angeles. It remains to be seen. I think he's going to go to one of the coasts, whether that's you know New York or L.A., but I don't see Chicago as a realistic possibility. Personally, I don't see him on the Angels next year. I don't see him on the Angels next year. I think he knows that there's bigger money and there's more opportunity elsewhere. Uh, and this is Trout's team. This was never really Otani's team. So I don't think it would be as big of a gut punch for the Angels fans as you know, as as much as they would like to admit that this, you know, they've had the best player in baseball, you you, you st- Mike Trout is still your guy. So I don't think it would hurt as bad as Trout leaving. It's still going to leave a massive gaping hole in the hearts of Angels fans. But this isn't as bad of an exit as a Trout would be. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I really think that Otani just. I don't know. It's so weird because we've never seen, obviously, a player of this caliber come to free agency, and we haven't seen like what he could possibly do. And you know, you say you see him going either one of the coasts, probably New York or LA, and I kind of agree. It's looking towards that way. It looks like it's going to be pretty much whoever has the most money is going to get him. But I don't know. I just feel like the Angels are really pitching their case, and I think they have a case to keep Otani. You know. I I don't really think the guy wants to go to New York. I personally don't. I, I and I and I don't think he could handle it. I think if he went to the Yankees, I think I personally, I think the that Yankee stadium, the Yankee fans, and Yankee New York media would ruin the guy. I really do because this is a guy who came over from Japan and did not want to play for the Yankees and did not want to play for the Dodgers. He did not want to play for the top market teams with the crazy media that could fucking bash him. So he went to play in the smaller market Anaheim, but still in big LA. I don't know if this guy wants that big market, that big media. And, but I know that he wants the big paycheck. So it's kind of like, which one is he going to give into? Is he going to get a little smaller paycheck or is he going to just deal with the fact that the media is going to fucking tear him apart? It's going to be really interesting come the time that he's ready to pick a new team. I I agree with you 100%. I don't think he's going to get dealt at all. I think it's pretty much shooing that he is going to finish the year as an angel. And then the offseason is when we're going to have the crazy conversations about where he's going to go. And I'm sure that'll make for some really fun podcasts. But as of right now, you think he's going somewhere else. I honestly, as of right now, see him staying in Anaheim. But who knows? That that could obviously very much change. It's definitely going to change if the Angels start struggling. Right now, they're playing a 500 baseball. And I think, you know, we talk about how much Otani leaving means to Otani. Think about what it means to the Angels. If Otani leaves, they lose their number one pitcher and their number one hitter. Like, that's insane that you're going to lose. You're going to lose so much just from losing one guy. And that's a huge hit to the Angels. You take Otani off this team, and this team is a lot different. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be really hard for the Angels to bounce back if they do lose lose Otani. But 
Again, I, I think the, I think he'll stay. I think but it's, we're going to have to wait. I think it's very realistic he stays. I think it's very realistic he stays. I think it's very realistic he goes. I think there's there's no there's no rhyme or reason to really predict right now as to whether he's going to stay or leave. I, I don't think I don't think the outcome of the season has anything to do with whether he whether he stays or whether he goes. I think really, it, I, I I don't know. I think to be honest with you, I kind of think he has his mind made up already, probably. Not about where he's going, about if he's staying or leaving, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, he, he very well could. I, I just think, I do think, and you know, we don't often disagree on a lot of things like this, but I honestly think that this year really does matter for Otani. And I think that the Angels' performance this year does matter. I think, do I think they need to make the playoffs and he's 100% staying? No. Do I think if they're super shitty, he's 100% leaving? No. But I do think that if they make the play, they made the playoffs, in the back of his head, that's, uh, okay, I can see where this team could go. I can see where I fit in with this team and we can grow from here. And if they start shit in the bed, I can see him being like, all right, there's not really much here, blah, blah, blah. And, and he could say, see you later and pack his bag. So I think the season could matter. It could not. Who really knows? You know, we're really not going to know anything until the end of the season and when everything gets sorted out. But I think it's definitely 100%. He's not getting traded, and we'll just see what happens come the end of the season. Totally. Yeah. Could not agree more. It'll be uh, the sweepstakes for Otani are going to be fun, and I'm, uh, I'm excited for as, as excited for an offseason as I've, I've been in a long time. This is going to be uh, Bryce Harper's and Aaron Judge's free agency on steroids, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be really fun to see where it all lands, but we'll have to wait a very long time to see that. You got anything else? Because that's pretty much all I got. I was going to talk about the Red Sox for a little bit, but I I think it's just going to make me too angry, so I'm I'm not. Okay, man. No, that's about it. All I, all I had for today. All right, so uh, you know what that means. I think that means we should get into some picks. Let's do it. Powered by Riverside. All right, we got picks for Tuesday, June 6th. Any volunteers to go first? I'll start it off. I am going to take the Seattle Mariners and the San Diego Padres over 7.5. I think this is a, uh, a game where the over is really likely to hit. I think even with Musgrove on the mound, and I just... It just escaped my head. Who the Mariners are throwing out there? Both guys have over a, a three nine ERA. Yeah, so they're both in the fours. Both teams lately have been scoring a crap ton of runs. I think. Uh, I think this is uh, a night where the over hits. I like it, Jacob. Uh, yeah, I I really want to stick with um, <clears throat> Orioles overs, but. I'm on a seven-game heater right now on my picks, so I got to go with something that I really think is going to hit, and I think the Orioles can win against the Brewers. Um, 
I, I have a feeling it'll be like a four one game, you know, maybe sprinkle exact score if you're ballsy, but um, <laughs> Orioles money line. All right. So I, I had a pick and then I was going to change it, but I, I, I think I'm not going to change it. I'm going to have a pair of nuts. My pick was actually the Milwaukee Brewers against the Baltimore Orioles. It's Freddie Peralta on the mound against Kyle Gibson and they're in Milwaukee. Freddie's been pitching really well this year, and the four six doesn't really show it. He's he's had two blow up starts, but but other than that, he's been aces. And I don't know. I, this Milwaukee team is 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 kind of scratchy, and they like they like playing Freddie Peralta. So I'm going to go against Jake, and I'm going to pick the Brewers. So suck it, Jake. Guess we'll have a little. Uh, should we do should we do a poem bet? No, I'm not doing another poem pet. Yeah, I'm not confident enough to do that. Oh, you aren't. So maybe we should do a poem bet then. No, I'm not doing another one because what the hell am I going to write? I'm just going to copy my same poem from last time. <laughs> okay, uh, numbers. 14. Five. I'm taking 22 then. I knew you would. I I, I got to take it. I, if you're not going to take it, I'm taking it. So 14, 5, and 22. Let's do this. This is, this is the best. I think we're going to get it. No. Mm, no. Okay. It's super loading. Very much loading. This is great podcasting by us. Okay, we're gonna try. We're gonna try exiting and going back in, <laughs> dude. I, I don't know what's going on. Does how does it feel to have blinds? Tell us about that. Uh, the blinds feel great for for those who don't watch the YouTube for the past probably three to four episodes. I would just sweat profusely. Uh, while while we were podcasting, so uh, I have blinds now and uh, no more sweat, which is uh, just a plus. I'm proud of you. Oh, here we go. Okay, and we're spinning. We're spinning. And we're spinning. Spinning, 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 spinning. Why does it spin for so long? Spinning ten. Fuck shit. And we lose again. What else is new? But, you know, it was still another great episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. We'll see you back here on Friday for another fantastic episode of The Talk Off. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love you. Goodbye.